It's time to invest with intent on the Welka Wealth Podcast. Join Tiffany Welka each week as she gives you guidance to align your faith, morals, and goals to make your financial plan a true success. listening to the Welka Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Welka. We're here today with Father Anthony Camilleri. Hi, Tiffany. Good to to be back. Let's pray. Okay. In the name of the Father, Father, Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you so much for Father Anthony, for his wisdom, and for allowing him to share his thoughts with us today. Lord, we ask that our listeners have open minds and open hearts on the conversation that we're going to have together today. And all of these things we ask in your name with the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who Who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come, thy thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in a sense, what we're going to talk about is the present issues of today. And then we're going to talk about the bad habits that, that come from those issues. And then we're going to talk about good habits to, in a sense, push the issues away and the bad habits away. Yeah. Do you have any uh, bad habits that you'd like to share with the crowd today? Yeah, I eat way too much food. <laughs> I love food. I can lose track. But then you just pray yourself back into it. Realize you're, you know... And then if it, if I need to, I go to confession. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's real simple to solve, and we just have to admit to ourselves that we're frail and we need the help, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, in a sense, those, I would say, I would say that's, that's my issue sometimes is just falling into the bad habit of, um, you know, sometimes thinking about food too much. We got to be careful. It doesn't mean you can't have a hobby. It's just we got to remember we got to keep it in the right order. Yeah. I think that that's a struggle for everybody. I would agree. Yeah. A lot of people oftentimes put work first. Yeah. Work is just always on their minds. They're they're always doing it. It's That's probably a struggle for a lot of people. I know it's a struggle for me sometimes. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes what we need to do is we need to take a step back and say, okay, where does joy come in our lives? Mm-hmm. Right? Most people, when I ask that question, will say joy. Their joy comes from their family. So, um, yeah, so why don't we kind of sort of jump in with two quotes. And why don't you go ahead, uh, Tiffany, and read those if that's okay. The first one is from St. John Paul II. He said, even in countries evangelized many centuries ago, the reality of a Christian society, which amid all the frailties which have always marked human life, measured itself explicitly on gospel values is now gone okay this quote came from nouveau millennial he wrote nouveau millennial at the turn of the at the turn of the millennium so this document came out in 2000 so if he's saying that 20 years ago we see it happening today we sure do um so when you think about it from that perspective it's like okay and he's written he's written other documents 
that are now 30, 40 years old. Um, and basically when you read them, you're like, yeah, okay. It's, it's full blown happening now. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's important to remind ourselves that we've, we in a sense have seen the tidal wave kind of sort of come. And now I think it's starting to crash down. Um, so I, I think, and then there's a, a quote as well from Pope Benedict. The real problem at this moment of our history is that God is disappearing from the human horizon. And with the dimming of the light, which comes from God, humanity is losing its bearings. Even among those who affirm that God exists, many are living a practical atheism. That is, they're living as if God didn't exist. Yes. So if you think about that for a second, so it's like this. Um, you think about like punching a time card, right? You have this idea um, where you go into work, you punch a time card, and then when you leave, you punch a time card. Well, people are starting to do that with their faith. Um, so what will happen is they go to they go to church on Sunday, they punch the card, and then they um, and then they move on with their week, and they don't allow their 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 Christian life or their Christian beliefs to interact with their life to keep them on the path towards God. Yeah, I think um, you're right. It's easy to just leave and then yeah. do whatever you were doing before. Yeah, um, and 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 I think uh, what's happened is we've fallen under these three uh, pseudo religions um, that are that are contrary to the um, to the Christian faith. And why don't you go ahead and, and recite those, Tiffany? Scientific fundamentalism, moralistic, therapeutic deism, and secular. Um, so it's messiah. Yeah, me, yeah. <laughs> M e s s i a n i s n. Yes, that one. <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about the first one, the scientific uh, fundamentalism? Okay. Um, what I'm going to talk about is uh, this: these particular topics were generated from um, Unleash the Gospel, which is a document written by the Archbishop of Detroit. Yeah. Um, so as I use these definitions, they are the definitions that come from that document. Um, and I think the way he lays it out, it's, it's, quite, uh, it's quite logical, quite understandable, and, and in a sense, beautiful in, the, in a sense, because you can follow along as you read and and it, he really helps you make the connection. So this first scientific fundamentalism uh, is a belief that all questions about human existence and the world can be answered. Uh, experimental science. The universe is regarded as a closed system in which everything can be explained by the laws of physics, chemistry, biology, and evolution. Um, we see this a lot in, uh, uh, obviously, at the academic level. Um, we see this a lot uh, in a sense, in the world, like, I mean, you know, think about, in a sense... Uh, the pandemic is, like, a great example. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that is a great example. Um, where we're in a somewhat of a crisis because in the mid-20th century to, to right before the pandemic, science was answering those questions. Science was making people live longer. Science might never have a full answer, right? Like, like for example, the flu. The flu still exists. Now... They've gotten better and better at um, fighting the disease. Yeah. But, you know, and God willing, one day they, you know, uh, he will use science and, and someone will come along to, to eradicate cancer. But until it happens, you know, and realize when it does happen, 
it's of God by giving us the mental capacity to do it, um, and so on and so forth. So, so let us remember that too. Read this one. This happens to be my uh, my personal favorite. Uh, this is the one that you see um, in society, I think, the most um, amongst uh, my age bracket. Um, and why don't you go ahead and? Why do you think it is your age bracket? Um, let's read the definition and we'll 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 discuss. We'll get there. Yeah. The belief system for moralistic therapeutic deism is that it emphasizes moral behavior, vaguely defined as being nice, kind, pleasant, respectful, responsible, and so on. It's therapeutic in that it envisions God as on call to take care of problems that rise in our arise in our lives, but not otherwise interested in us nor holding us accountable for our choices. That it views God as having created the world, but not personally involved in it. So, in a sense, this is so. I see this in a sense in my generation. Um, where my generation wants rules, wants rules, right? Wants all kinds of rules. They want structure, right? But then what happens is as soon as that rule or that structure comes to them, well, I don't want to have to deal with it. I want the rule to change. But everybody else has to have a set of rules but me, right? And it's therapeutic because, well, you know, God solves all my problems. And if he doesn't solve my problems then I don't have to worry about them. But God's going to solve the problem, and I don't have to worry about it, right? And and it's kind of like a shoving off onto God. And then when God doesn't solve the problem, well, see, it's God's fault. And then the deism part um, basically says it's this idea that, that um, if God doesn't solve the problem, then he doesn't want to be personally involved in my life. Okay, so that's where it gets false. So these three ideas of this particular pseudo-religion um, are totally off base. Um, in this sense, uh, the, the moralistic part is, is, is kindness and pleasant and nice. It doesn't really give you, it doesn't really give you a fundamental moral aspect. So if you're nice, if you're kind, and it's the other person's definition of nice, kind, and pleasant, respectful, and responsible. It's not, to, it's not like the Ten Commandments or the Eight Beatitudes, right? So, it's, it, so I could say something to you that would be okay, right? So like, for example, right? We're both, we're both um, part Maltese, right? As we talk about it, you know, there are times where we'll be talking and, and I'll be like, yeah, that's just my Maltese coming out and we, we both have a laugh or you'll say it and we both have a laugh, right? But for some people, that seems to be disrespectful, but yet it really isn't because we're just, we're describing ourselves. It's not that we're describing anybody else. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's where, that's where we have to be careful. And it's, it's, the, um, it's like the virtue police. You know, well, remember, uh, or value police, remember, values change, but virtues don't. Yeah. So that's where we have to stick to the virtues of life. And, and you know, we could talk about that a little later when we talk about the good habits and even the bad habits. Um, why don't we go ahead and go to the third one? Okay. 
the next one is secular messianism. Yep. It's a politicized version of Christianity that makes the gospel subservient to a human agenda. It comes in various forms, both liberal and conservative, but in every case, it reduces Christianity to a program of social progress in the world. Yes. So, to do it authentically Christian, we have to make sure we allow the person's dignity to always remain. So if you're serving the poor, right? If you're clothing people, if you're doing those things, and you interact with them or you meet them, which you should, right? And you're working with them. Saying hello, introducing yourself, shaking their hand is okay. And I think sometimes in society today, when this happens, they just talk about groupings of people. Mm. Right? Think about it. They strip names away and you got to fit into a slot. And the slot you fit in, so you aren't a person, you're an activity. And their dignity needs to be upheld. Right? Would this also be um, something where maybe people do works of charity or things like that, but they do it for their own reasons? Oh, very much so. But if you allow God in, he can He can connect all the dots and all the strings and allow it to be virtuous. Yes. Right? So we have to be mindful of that. But I do think sometimes people, or what they do is they make it their own. It's all about me. It's not about Christ. It's not Christ-centered. It's me-centered. So I do 110 things for the church, and they talk about my, I. And as soon as you go, I, too many my's and too many eyes, what happens is it becomes yours. Um, I, I think it's important to uh, to to think about Saint Augustine as we get to this point because remember Saint Augustine's life wasn't virtuous. Um, he he his conversion took time, and uh, he lived a life of debauchery uh, uh, during his early life. And his mother prayed for him until his conversion, and then continued to pray for him that it would be that it would be sustained. Um, and he, he said this, O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That is not a, there's probably no more of a truer statement yeah. about the human heart than that. Um, and you could see it. That's why we have uh, drug abuse. That's why we have alcoholism. That's why we have those things, because wounds happen in our life, and we, want, we don't want to deal with the pain or we don't we don't know how to fix them, so we go to things that numb the pain, instead of allowing Christ, the divine healer, to go in there and heal the pain. And and remember, this is an ongoing thing. The Christian life or life itself is a marathon. It's not a race. Hmm. We just don't know when the marathon is going to end, so we have to continuously work on it. Um, and and we have to remember, as God as God is more absent in our culture due to what we do. Um, you'll see the human heart go to other places to try to quench the thirst. But what happens is we have to realize that God, only Christ can, can quench that thirst. The Holy Trinity, the one true God, is the, is the only, is, loves us unconditionally. Everywhere else, there's a condition. Every other person, there's a condition. Even if it's minute, there's still a condition. God is the only one who loves us unconditionally. Hmm. 
And that's why he wants us to come to him in our pain, in our frustration, in whatever it is that we are, in the fullness of it, and say, we need help, or I need help, or you need help, or whoever. But as humanity, we all need help, and he is true. Christ is truly the divine healer. Our hearts are always restless yeah. until we're with him. Yeah. And and you'll notice this too. Like, um, I notice a lot of times, like when I go on my annual retreat, um, one of the things I do when I first get, the, get there is I talk with the retreat master and um, and kind of start, me and him start to mold the retreat. We might talk a couple times on the phone before I get there. And then what happens is as, as I go on retreat and, and allow myself to have a little bit more prayer time throughout the day, because that's all you're doing is praying and stuff. What I realize is, is um, it all starts to settle. Life, life and the and the jagged ups and downs start to settle in, and you can see Christ in them, hmm. and you just allow Him to be present to you as you come back, and and you you know you maintain that, you keep going. So, so it's important to recognize that God does does do these things. Yeah. You're going on retreat, aren't you? Yeah, my very when? first overnight. <laughs> when? The twenty fifth. Okay. I think okay. This month. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I know. Yeah. Are, are you allowed to talk on this, on this retreat? I, I don't believe so. Okay. Um, I want videotape of that because it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun for me to see. But remember, okay, the reason, the reason I bring this up is because God's language is silence, right? And we all have difficulty with silence for various reasons, right? But if that's his language, allow him to teach you the silence and to be in the silence and that's surrender that's trust that's allowing yourself to have faith that's allowing yourself to let him love you and you love him and also so in a sense that's that's i, I bring that up because she's going on the silent retreat i've been on them before he inspired me to go i i wouldn't go that far you did no see uh, well okay uh, a good silent retreat there's nothing like it um so why don't we get into these habits yes Let's do that. A worldly notion of the church. Status quo mentality. Fear. Complaining attitude. Good habits are docility to the spirit. Apostolic boldness. A spirit of innovation. A spirit of cooperation. Confidence in God. And an attitude of gratitude. Yep. Um, why don't you go ahead and just read about the worldly notion of the church. All right. The worldly notion of the church is one of the bad habits that we listed. Too often, the church is viewed, even by Catholics, as simply a human institution and the Catholic faith as merely a lifestyle enhancer. In this outlook, the church's values based primarily on its contributions to society, whether in education, healthcare, advocacy, or service to the poor. The priest is seen as a kind of ecclesiastical. Yeah. Ecclesiastical. Yep, there you go. Civil servant. When this outlook prevails, the church's mission can become captive to human plans, and the clarity of our witness to the gospel is compromised. Yep. So what we have to understand is the definition of the church is, um, is it's a divine institution. So the church herself is holy, 
the head of her, the head of the church is Christ. Right? The Holy Spirit inspires the people. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have sim- sinful people in the church. Hello, I go to confession, you go to confession, a bunch of people go to confession. Right? A bunch of people who don't go to confession probably need to go to confession. Okay? <laughs> That's for a different to- time and topic. But um, to, to expand on that. But as we move forward, we have to understand that Christ instituted the church. It's his church. The Holy Spirit guides it. And have you seen pictures of of, uh, of St. Peter's Basilica where you have the Holy Spirit on the back wall? No. No, you haven't? Yeah, you've, you've seen that. I, I know. Is that a picture that you have? Yeah, yeah, you've probably seen a picture of it. But So if you ever go to St. Peter's or see the, the Holy Spirit window but it's not really window it's glass cut real it's a rock cut real thin where light can shine through it right i've seen this yeah you have yeah you have so what we're going to do is we're going to have her so when we when we publish this we're going to have her put a picture um but it's the holy spirit then there's this bronze around it that looks like a cloud right and then it's the cloud is holding a chair and underneath the chair are four bishops of the early church Hmm. but they aren't holding the chair there's a gap between their hands and the chair. Because remember, it's the Holy Spirit who guides the bishops, right? In certain times in church history, they don't listen very well to the Holy Spirit. In other times, they listen greatly and positively. Um, I mean, just look at the lives of saints, too. Yeah, same, exactly. Same scenario. Yeah, so so from that perspective, um, we have to recognize that, that in this, the church is divinely inspired by Christ, driven by the Holy Spirit, and all we have to do is answer yes to the Holy Spirit, which is answering yes to the will of the Father, God the Father. So why don't we move to the next one. Spiritual lethargy um, is the second vice. It's closely related to the first. Um, it's viewed as a as a human institution. Um, and what happens is this... Uh, we forget to give things to God and we start keeping in our buckets the challenges of life that we face. And we don't allow the Holy Spirit in there to kind of sort of dust it out and to give us the strength and the grace to walk through it, right? We all have something we we tussle with, right? It's human nature. So are we allowing God to help us move through it or are we allowing ourselves to get bogged down in it, thinking we have to do it ourselves, and we forget to bring God into the equation as people? So yeah. that's what this one is. Um, you know, it's similar to like pushing a rock up the hill. Um, but if we allow the Holy Spirit in to help us push, and the Holy Spirit, I know in my life, gives me help as well in friends and family and, and so on and so forth to help me also push. Um, but realizing that that we don't have to do it alone. We have God present to us. God will help us walk through it. And sometimes he gives us people to help us as well. Yeah, he never intended us to be alone. Exactly. Status quo mentality. Okay. So who here likes uh, their food a particular way? Or who here likes uh, what they drink a particular way? Or something <laughs> like that. And when it's a little different... You get all Ooh. so no so so to define the status quo, we, we want to define this. Yeah, it's this idea of um, allowing ourselves to get hardened 
by um, it's a, it's a it's a hardening of our cells, of our hearts and our minds, because we've done it this way from the beginning. We're going to keep doing it this way. Yeah. And we can't be that way. No. With the with the status quo, because it doesn't allow us to generate new ideas, right? Is it possible to have tradition without this bad habit? Yes. Okay. Yes. The prime example of that is uh, Eucharistic adoration. We have a tradition of adoration. Well, there's a there's a right to the adoration, so there's a particular way to do the adoration. But within that hour, you can do you can do praise and worship. You can meditate on scripture. You can have silence. You can do all different kinds of of prayer thing prayer. I don't want to say things, but prayer types or styles in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Well, fear is a bad habit. Yeah. I think all of us have, especially now. Yeah. We can be subtly, subtly influenced by a combination of fears. Fear of taking risks, fear of failure, fear of losing control, fear of going beyond our comfort zone. But yielding to fear keeps us in spiritual bondage. How often scripture tells us, fear not. How often the Lord assures the fearful of his steadfast love and his help. Mm -hmm. We must choose not to be guided by fear, but... By the Holy Spirit, yeah, and uh, and trust the Holy Spirit that as He guides us into 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 the deep, as we walk into the deep with Him, that He is our our life and our support. So a good uh, it's uh, comes from Jesus walking on the water in Matthew, and it He says uh, to Saint Peter, uh, "Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid." He says it. Uh, the angel Gabriel says it to the Blessed Mother. The angel says it to Saint Joseph. Right, so realize that God's plan is bigger than us, and that brings me to my second thing, and that's why I said it the way I said it. Right, <laughs> it's this complaining attitude. attitude. Okay, so, so we have to be careful. This complaining attitude, like everything's always negative, and we have to we have to break that up. Why don't we talk about the good habits? Because those yes. are the fun ones. Yes, docility to the spirit. You see this in the Acts of the Apostles, right? Okay, this takes practice. In practice in being open to God and hearing God in prayer. So that means, yeah, you have to spend some silence in prayer, okay? So if you're constantly reciting prayers or constantly reading scripture or other books, then you aren't giving him time to speak. I know you talk all the time, way too much, but that's beside the point. Um, um, that happens. It's the same. We can do that same thing with God where we just have to sometimes just kind of sit in the quiet and let him move us. Yeah. You know, you know, so it, it, and don't get me wrong, all forms of prayer are important, but sometimes you just have to sit in the silence and listen, and the Holy Spirit will, will move, will move in you. Allowing ourselves to listen to the Holy Spirit and then act in the Spirit. You know, we can spend a lot of time listening and not acting, but the other part too is acting in the Holy Spirit. Um, so you pray a little bit, you act a little bit, you pray a little bit, you act a little bit, and what'll happen, it's kind of like bumper bowling, okay? If you pray and act, pray and act, God will make sure it, it, it bounces off the rubber things and hits and you get a strike. Okay. God gives us bumpers. Yeah, exactly. That's going to um, be the name of the show now. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, humanly, you might not have the ability, but with the Lord, everything is possible. Yes. And in the Lord, you just, you just jump into the deep end. Tell us a little bit about apostolic boldness. Okay. Apostolic boldness. Think of Acts of the Apostles, 
right? St. Peter is the prime example. So we, we hear St. Peter in the gospel, always trying to respond to the Lord, right? And putting his foot in his mouth. So you go from that to then the apostolic boldness in, in, in the Acts of the Apostles, where he's walking along the street and he tells a man, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, stand up, take up your mat and walk. And this person was healed. Right? So it's the willingness to then go out and speak. And it tells us in the Acts of the Apostles, the first two times Peter preached uh, after, after uh, uh, um, Pentecost. So, you know, and that means being baptized. So from that perspective, it's that type of boldness that we're speaking of. That can be scary. That's why you pray. That's why you ask the Holy Spirit for the grace uh, of courage, for the growth and the virtue of courage. When I think of apostolic boldness or some of the adjectives that you use, I, the first person that comes to my mind is John the Baptist. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. A prophet could happen, someone who speaks for the Lord, right? Yeah. But remember, in that boldness, it's not a human thing you're doing. You're doing it intimately with Christ. Mm -hmm. A spirit of innovation. Okay, like anything. There are times where we have to look at things and say, okay, what is the, what, how can we make old structures new again? What doesn't work anymore? What does work? St. Paul is a prime example, right? St. Paul, throughout his missionary life and missionary work, uh, would started churches and so on and so forth and encouraged those churches. But he did it in a way that, that, was, that was new, right? Because of the tools Christ gave him mm -hmm. to go out in the world and preach Jesus, preach the gospel. This brings to mind my very, one of my very favorite saints, Mother Teresa. Oh yeah, she had such a spirit of innovation. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she did. Spirit of innovation. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 that kind of thing where you go, okay, looking at something and saying, okay, how can we solve the problem? Whether it's whether it's whether it's an acute issue or a chronic issue. Yeah. And I think there's both. And having the flexibility and the willingness to look at both and, and make the hard decision to, to, in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to make the hard decision to go, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Of what's the goal of what we're doing? All of us having eternal life with God. Yeah. So we have to remember that goal. Now, we realize that each one of us has different gifts and when we use them together... That's when we're the most effective. Yeah, we all need to work together yep. and help each other to get to heaven. Yep. St. Therese teaches us the way of spiritual childhood, which is the way of simplicity and utter confidence in God. We give the Lord the best of our effort, but it's He who will bring the increase. Yep. We can trust Him for the renewal of, in this example, the Archdiocese of Detroit. Yeah, the church. The church. Yeah is not our work, but his divine work in which we're cooperating. Therefore, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who causes the growth. Now realize when we say the church and the archdiocese, we mean the people of God. Right, we are the church. Yeah, we don't mean buildings per se, we mean yeah. the people. And as we roll, we, we as we roll, occasionally we stop, we evaluate, and we keep moving forward. And that's important to realize that. That's confidence in God. Um, and then the last one, attitude of gratitude. Giving thanks to God for everything. 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 
giving thanks to God for your a glass gift. of water. Yeah, a glass of water, the gifts He's given you. They Opening can be, your eyes in the morning. Yep, yep. To life, yes, all those beautiful things. So realizing that living in this life of gratitude is realizing that everything is given to us by God, even our gifts, even our talents, um, even our accomplishments, and just giving thanks to him, thanking him for all of those. Um, so those are the those are the good and bad habits, how we got to the bad habits, how we need to go back to the good habits. Okay, yeah, we've covered it all tonight, but I'd like to leave you with three questions. Um, what are some ways we can move from bad habits to good habits? Second question, what do you think about the quote, the quotes from St. Benedict um, and St. John Paul II? What is one good habit that you want to work on in the next year? I love that. Thank you. You gave us some things to work on. You're welcome. Until next time. Yeah. Yeah. You want to close up in a prayer? Yeah. Um, let's say the Hail Mary. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Counsel, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Welka Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Welka. We have Father Anthony Camilleri. God bless you and God bless your families. God bless. Bye. Thank you, Tiffany. The Welka Wealth Podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just look for the Welka Wealth Podcast and keep listening.